Today's sermon is entitled, today's sermon is entitled, The Understudy, The Understudy. It'll be from 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. I thought this message would be fascinating in helping us to understand uh, the power and the importance of being an understudy or having an understudy. So I want to stay true to the um, uh, business, family business series we've been preaching. Uh, We want to make sure that we give you another, another perspective of how you're to live your life uh, from a franchise perspective, living as a business on earth for God that he uses through your service, whatever it is, hairstyling, real estate, um, movies, acting, lawyering, doctoring, whatever it is that becomes your ministry. And there are different facets that you need to learn about how God can use your ministry in everyday life. A lot of preachers preach about, you know, what we do in church, but we don't hear a lot about what we're supposed to do outside of church. And so I want to make sure that I give you enough practical input and insights to help you understand that you are a franchise. You are a business, a representation of the kingdom of God every day in how you live that out. But first, I want to define what an understudy is. So let me define that for you really quickly. Uh, An understudy is a person who learns someone's role to be able to replace them. An understudy is someone who learns someone's role to be able to replace them should anything happen to them at a short notice. And this is more commonly known in the theater. All right. So here's what we're talking about. The understudy. This person learns another person's role in order to be able to act as their replacement. So key actors and actresses in the theater world have understudies who learn their lines, who learn their role so that if they automatically all of a sudden get sick or uh, get in a car accident, somebody can step in to continue it. Now, this is different from, the understudy is different from an apprentice uh, because an apprentice uh, studies a trade. They learn a trade. So if you have an apprentice, they're learning what you do. They're learning how to fix a car. They're learning some business aspect. But understudies, listen, listen, understudies learn the role and parts of others in case they need to be replaced. So while an apprentice learns a trade to be able to use it anywhere in the world, the understudy specifically studies the role of another and waits for the moment to replace them when the time is needed. Please understand the distinction. I'm not just saying that you're looking for a mentor or a mentee or something like that. We're talking about aligning yourself in an understudy role where you learn what someone else does, how they live, how they interact, so that you can step in and replace the role should anything happen to them. Are you tracking? All right. So check this out. Let's talk about the understudy. Let me give you this little introduction. 
What I want us to understand from the family business perspective is that we need to be prepared to step in for God. We need to be prepared to step in for God at a moment's notice. We need to know what to do and how to do it. So listen to what I'm saying. As an understudy, we need to be able to step in when God needs us, when God wants us to do it, we need to know what to do and how to do it. We can't jump into something and say, oh, well, I'll pray about it. I need to pray about it. No, 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 no. When God calls you, when it is your moment, when it is your hour, and we talked about the hour of glory two weeks ago, that you need to know what to do and how to respond. There are some things that are approaching your life. It is coming to fruition. It is coming to a time and a season, and it is all predicated upon what you have been doing in the months previous Have you been studying your lines? Do you know your role? Do you know what your position should be? So we can only be ready when we establish ourselves as someone's understudy. If you aren't understudying anybody, if you aren't studying under somebody, then you won't be ready. So the question is, who are you under studying? Who are you studying under and the word under implies an aspect of submission sub being under the mission being under the mission of someone else learning what they're learning uh being able to step in if you need to the whole point listen to me the whole point little ben of being an understudy is to keep the show going should something ever happen to the one performing the work. I want you to understand that, Nikki. Listen to this. Listen, Rhonda. I want you to understand that the whole point of being an understudy is to keep the show going. And business, listen, business is all about creating legacy and connecting to both the future and the past while using the same actions and experiences. So when we're in business, when we have understudies, when we have successors, people learning us, we're looking at the future of the business. We have a vision, but we're connecting to someone behind us as well to be able to keep the business running should anything happen if I call in sick. Every business has to have a plan of how to keep the service going should anything happen to the workers. The same thing applies to you as a believer in Christ. How do you keep your service for God going as you live from day to day? Let's say you get sick, you get the flu or whatever. You're down for the count. Do you have anything in place to help your service continue? Or... Are you in place to make sure that someone else's service continues should anything happens to them, happen to them? So one way to do that is to always be someone's understudy and to always have an understudy. So you're looking, projecting this way and you're projecting this way. This way we stay connected to what's ahead and what is behind. Now, in the family business, God was always finding ways through people to get his, to keep his agenda alive. So all the way from the beginning of time, from Adam and Eve, listen to me carefully, God has seen fit to keep his 
kingdom alive and active by serving people, getting understudies, training and teaching people how to continue his good news of life. All through the years, through the prehistoric days, the historic days, through slavery, the industry, through all time, even to this point, God is not going to have any downtime. Salvation, there's no point where God says, oh, well, we can't take you right now. We can't get, we can't admit you in heaven because we down. We, uh, my, my, my servers are down. God has no no intention of being down. He has people in place to always step in should there be a need. I feel him a little bit here. Stick with me. It's going to get juicy. People often marvel about their singleness and solitude of life, Mama Kane. People brag about it, you know, it's just me. I'm I'm single and I'm doing it on my own. Their lack, listen, their lack of need for others is paramount to their identity. In other words, they boast about it. I don't need nobody. And so your identity is all wrapped around you not needing anybody. But this attitude does not help the family business. God expands his kingdom by identifying people who are willing to be open enough to study someone else. You cannot be a recluse and locked up in a corner at like a hermit and not expose your life and be exposed to other people's lives because when you don't do that, you stymie, you in effect get in God's way from keeping his salvation going. So this is, listen, it's not just a class, listen to me, an understudy just doesn't take a class as in learning data or information of facts. The person is learning another person. You're learning the individual. It's not that you just learn the script. It's not that you just learn the lines. No, you must watch the person, where they stand, what are their cues, how are they responding. This precludes that the person being studied has something to offer. I mean, be clear. Don't go studying people who ain't doing nothing because there's nothing to step into. People who aren't doing anything don't leave you anything to step into. What I'm encouraging you to do is to be an understudy to someone usually who is doing more than you. And you feel like you need to be the HNIC or the person in charge all the time. You want to be in control. Cut that out. Get under somebody enough so that you can grow. Place something above you so that you can learn and develop in ways that you have not been exposed to. So when you find people who have something to offer, try to get close to them enough so that you can be an understudy. I ask you the question this morning. Are you a person that has something to offer? Are you someone who has said, no one can teach me anything? Which one are you? Do you have something to offer? Do you know people have something to offer? Or do you feel like you can't teach me nothing? I know it all. Well, the question is not about information. Listen to what I'm saying. It's not about data. It's not about facts. It's about actually learning a person. God, hear me this morning. When I'm talking about this, YOLO, I'm talking about learning somebody. The disciples were called not just to learn what Jesus was teaching, 
but he was called, they were called to learn Jesus. They were to pick up his mannerisms. They were to pick up his attitude. They were to pick up his demeanor. And some of y'all, y'all proud about you can quote the Bible. Who cares? The devil knows the Bible. That's data. That's information. Listen to what I'm saying. Those are sentences, syntax. It's just paragraphs. It's words. It's grammar. It's uh, uh, something that has been written out. But when you become an understudy, you learn the spirit of those words. You get the attitude and the, I feel him, baby sister. When you are a disciple of God, you learn his perspectives. You learn what he would do in those situations. So when you read the Bible and you say, well, the Bible don't say, don't smoke cigarettes. So I, I, I can smoke. It don't say it clear. Well, listen here, listen here, listen. The Bible don't say don't smoke cigarettes, but the Bible is clear in all kinds of other contexts that you should not do something that damages your body. Now, if you smoke cigarettes and I understand, listen, the Surgeon General has told you it's not good for you. So I ain't saying that I ain't trying to rock nobody's boat, but I'm telling you, do things that will help your body stay as healthy as possible. And you don't need a scripture to tell you that. Are you tracking with what I'm saying? So maybe that's the problem with the church, um, uh, Cynthia. Maybe that's the problem with the church. We come and we learn the information. We get online and we listen for what he's saying, but we fail to connect and follow the God of the information. Some of us are so loaded with Bible. We're so loaded with good preaching. We're so loaded with good teaching that you don't, you you need to sometimes just just try to work through what you already learned. Work through what you already know. In other words, meditate on it. Let it marinate. Understand what it's saying. Yes, God is the word. And he is the only one who is the living form of what is written. God is the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He is the only living person who manifests in the form of the word. So in today's sermon, I want to talk with you about the importance. Listen to me. Listen to me. The importance of finding a person to study and becoming their understudy to learn them and their ways and how doing so will significantly make sense of your past and prepare you for your future. I'm telling you that your understudy can bring keen awarenesses of your past People who know more than you, who have been exposed or experienced more than you, can help you understand choices and mistakes you've made in the past, as well as prepare you, release you, and free you to be you in the future. So today we'll be expounding upon the story in 2 Kings chapter 2 of Elijah and his understudy, Elisha. Elijah and Elisha. But first, I want to look at Elisha's calling. So Elijah is the uh, one that is being studied. Elisha is his understudy. So I want to look at Elisha's calling, how he met Elijah, because I know that some of you will be saying, well, how do you meet your uh, your person you're to understudy and so on and so forth? So I want to try and give you just some some uh, brief iterations of of what that looks like. So let's look at 
at the text today. Uh, this text in 1 Kings 19, 19 through 21, before we get over to the, the main chapter. So the text says, so he departed from there, talking about Elijah with a J. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, while he was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him and he with the 12. So notice he departed, Elijah departed and found Elisha. The last sentence there, and Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. Verse 20, he left the oxen, talking about Elisha, he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again for what have I done to you? I'm not preventing you. Go on and talk to your father or whatever, do what you need to do, and then come back here. 21, so he returned from following him and took the pair of oxen. This is important. Elisha re returned, took his pair of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. So I want to be clear here that this is, this is, this is really focusing on a perspective of Elisha meeting Elijah. Elijah knew who Elisha was. In other words, there was some sort of connection. So usually when you find people who have something that you need and you have something that they need, there's usually some point of contact that is orchestrated by God. Never underestimate casual meetings, interactions with people you don't know. You have to use discernment and be in the spirit to be able to identify those who are really God's sheep and those who are wolves in sheep clothing. So here, Elijah came to Elisha and identified him, went to him. Usually your person you're going to study is in proximity. The Bible says Elijah threw his mantle on him. In other words, Elijah in some way intimated, I'm interested in you. So usually there's some capacity or there's some relation of how the person you want to study has some sort of chemistry and your ability to be able to identify with who they are. So watch this now. The Bible says immediately Elisha said, okay, okay, all right, I'll do it. I'll go. I need to go and I need to make sure that I have my family together. Let me go take care of what I need to take care of. Let me do what I need to do. And Elijah says to him, he says, you know, look, I will, I will give you that opportunity to do that. So he says, okay, um, let's make sure that you get everything done you need to get done and then come back to me. What Elisha did, went back, remember I talked about the oxen and the yoke and all of those things. He put all those things, burned it up. He said, I'm not going to need this anymore. Listen to what I'm saying. Elijah's meeting Elijah he, Elisha understood that this man had something that was going to take him to another level and another place. When God calls us to bigger and greater things, oftentimes we feel like we cannot let go of the past because we're too familiar with it. 
What I'm trying to say to you is when you study someone, you have to be fully immersed in the lifestyle of what they are living. When you want to be a baller, you want to live like the rich and the famous, you need to take on all of those attributes and those thought processes. You cannot have poverty ghetto thinking when you're trying to live in wealthy mansions and hobnob with the people who make powerful decisions and choices every day. So Elisha understood that he had to make a change and he went back home and said, I'm cutting off everything related to my past. I don't need you anymore, oxen. I'm getting ready to follow the man of God. He told everybody, he says, let's have our last feast. Let's have our last hoorah. Those of you who say you need closure, okay, you got your closure now. You ate dinner. The closure's gone. You ain't need to call them next week and last month and say, let's get together again. We don't need to get together again. That's over. All right? So he goes, he takes care of all that, and he says, he comes back and he says, now I'm ready to serve. It, the point is, Elijah knew what was happening. When you meet the person you're to understudy, there will be some knowledge on your part. You will sense it. You will feel it. You will know that God is calling you that direction. Also, Elisha knew the severity of the call on his life, and he knew it was severe because he canceled everything in the past. I don't need that anymore. Whenever you are still connected to something in your past and you won't release it, it means you're not serious about your future. It means that you are not courageous enough to step out on faith and trust God to deliver. This is good teaching and I hope that you get this. Elisha knew that this would be, listen, listen, he knew that this would be a life-changing moment for him. So this would be the equivalent to God's call on our lives at salvation. So when God calls us, he says, leave everything. He says, forget the old, all things need to become new. He says, I'm about to show you how to live a life of spirituality, a life of faith, a life of dependence, a life of power, a life of miracles, a life of change, a life of substance. So we must understand what it means to be saved and be willing to give up everything to follow him and be like him. You cannot say, I'm going to be like Christ. That's what Christian means, to be Christ-like, to study him. And then you say, well, I'm still going to live like the devil. You cannot do that. You cannot study someone's role and then get in the role and play the role like you want to play it. You are studying the role, so you play the role like they played it. God is not asking you to come into his family business and run a business for him the way you want to. God is not asking you to ask him to get a part of your agenda. God called you to be a part of his agenda. It's like Ruth. Remember Ruth and Naomi? Ruth told Naomi, she said, after they, Ruth, uh, Naomi lost her husband and uh, her, her sons and all of that. And then Ruth says, tell me, tell me, Naomi she says, wherever you go, he says, where you lodge, I will lodge. Your God will be my God. In other words, Ruth became an understudy of Naomi. And here's what I want you to understand. Naomi was bitter, boo. Now, so I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is that people who can teach you something aren't perfect. I'm going to say that again. That's a quotable, Shauna. People who can teach you something are not perfect. They are not perfect, but they 
can give you what you need. So you don't look for people who are perfect. You look for people who have what you need to get to your next destination. Naomi was hurt. She was crushed. She was bitter. She lost her sons, her husband. She was broke. She was homeless. She didn't have nowhere to go, but she still took Ruth. And then Ruth becomes this powerful person of connectivity that actually ended up being a blessing to Naomi. Naomi, uh, Ruth meets Boaz, and then they become this powerful family where they get the, the, the line of God continuing again. So God continues to use Ruth and Naomi to keep his bloodline flowing. I'm trying to tell you that your relationships with people is not just about you getting information. It's about you understanding the capacity to keep this life going. Come on. When you have children, you are creating posterity or legacy to do what? To keep something going. When you give people your last name, what are you trying to do? You're trying to keep things going. And to all of you out there in the internet land who do nothing but stop and start, stop and start, stop and start, this message ought to prick you right up under your toes because we have enough of starting and stopping in the Christian community. We need people who are in for the long haul and understand the importance of connecting with people who are in God's will for your life so he can keep things going. Somebody say, keep things going. Now let's look at our text for today. Second Kings 2 verses 1 through 15. I just want to read this story for you and I just want to be able to give you the context. I'm going to give you three things that I raised from it and I'll be able to let you go. Watch this now. The text says, and it came about when the Lord was about to take up Elijah. So now Elijah and Elijah are together. All right. We're up in second Kings now. It came about when the Lord was about to take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven that Elijah went to Elisha from Gilgal. Elisha just said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. That's place number one, all right? Going to Bethel. Verse three, then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, say, say, Elisha, he said, do you know, do you know that the Lord is going to take, take your master from you today? And Elisha said, watch this now, it's important. You'll see it later. He said, yes, I know, but be still. Don't say anything. You get that? I know God is getting ready to take Elijah. And Elijah told Elisha, said, go on somewhere else because Elijah knew I'm getting ready to leave. And Elisha said, as long as you live and as long as I'm in this place, no, I'm sticking with you. So look at verse four. Elijah said to him, this is the second city. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, Elisha, as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. First place, Beth Bethel. Second place, Jericho. Verse five, the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho approached Elisha and said to him, hey, Elijah, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from you today? 
from over you today. This is the NASB. I like that over understudy. That kind. I like that. And he said, yeah, yeah, I know, but be still. Don't say nothing. All right. Verse six. Then Elijah said to him, please stay here for the Lord. <laughs> this is it's funny. Please, he says, please stay here, Elisha, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. He sent me to the Jordan. So first was Jericho or Bethel, Jericho. Now he's sending him to the Jordan. And he said, Elisha said, as the, I'm going to tell you one more again, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Now, 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood opposite them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. So 50 of the prophets were standing there watching. Oh, what's going to happen? Because they all knew Elijah was about to die. Elijah took his mantle, folded it together and struck the waters of the Jordan and they were divided here and there so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. All right now, so Elijah didn't use some of his spiritual muscle. Verse nine, when they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And he said, well, You have asked a hard thing, Elisha. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. As they were going along and talking, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up in a whirlwind to heaven. His ride came, his Uber, his taxi, his lift came. His lift was a chariot of fire with horses of fire separated Elijah and Elisha. And Elijah went up in the whirlwind. In other words, it took him away, took him away. Elisha saw it and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. Uh Oh, understudy time to kick in. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into pieces, meaning he was mourning. Verse 13, he also took up the mantle of Elijah. Oh, come on, Elijah about to do this. I'm about to work this. He took up his mantle of Elijah that fell from him and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Verse 14, and he took the mantle of Elijah. Come on, are you ready, Elisha? That fell from him and struck the waters and said, here he comes. Elisha says, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the waters they were divided here and there and Elisha crossed over in other words just as God did it for Elijah he did it so for Elisha because he was the understudy last verse now when the sons of the prophet who were at Jericho opposite him saw him all the the looky-loos standing off on the side they said oh The spirit of Elijah. (laughs) I love scripture. It's just so clear. 
bowed themselves to the ground before him. Sometimes I think about my mom. I think about the spirit of my mother and I can see sometimes when I speak and the things that I do, the spirit of my mother is upon me. I just want you to understand the power of this text. I want you to understand when you are an understudy of somebody who has something that God gave them to give you, it is important that you remain faithful in your place because there will come a time that the person you are studying will be moved out of the way. They will be promoted or elevated or translated or transferred and you need to know what to do when you step in. Come on, hook the train, PC. I talked about it in the beginning about how you have to be able to step in at a moment's notice when God calls you to be the person he called you to be. Three trips here. He said, I ain't gonna leave you. The third trip, they get to Jordan. They go to Bethel, they go to Jericho, they go to Jordan. And he asks him at the Jordan, what do you want me to do? He says, give me a double portion of your spirit. In other words, I wanna be like you. I wanna be like you. Listen to me. Let me give you this aspect. Come on. Let me give you this first one. Here's what you need to do as an understudy. Here's what I want you to understand. These three points. Get this out. An understudy must go where they go. You must go where they go. The text said, Elijah told Elisha, he said, go on somewhere. Stay here. I got to go away. You must be adamant. You must be focused. You must be committed to sticking to what God has called you to study. You go where they go. You spend time with them. You never leave their side. Even when they ask you to stay, you say, no, I'm going with you. Why? Because you know, as the understudy, you need to be there If something happens to them, you need to step in at a moment's notice. So you learn their mannerisms. You learn their responses. You imagine watching how someone serves in faithfulness. And I want you to get this. Elijah was serving faithfully. He was serving faithfully, even though he knew he was about to die. Oh my God. He knew he was about to lose his position. And yet he stayed faithful to training his understudy. I'm trying to get you to see that when God places you in the life of someone you're studying, you have to go where they go. Be in the place where the spirit of the Lord is. You have to go where God is. Listen, you cannot, you cannot say you're a Christian and you don't embrace or espouse the places where God is. You don't even go to church. You don't even get online. You don't even meditate. You don't read the word. You don't go to chapel. You don't go to prayer meeting. You're not connected to a Bible study. You don't go anywhere where God is. You must see him. You must know him. You must be in places where there are other spiritual people. I'm not talking about just being in places where there are other mediocre Christians that you hang in with. I'm talking about being around some bona fide spiritual executives. I like that term. Spiritual executives who know the lay of the land, who have been with where you've been, who have gone, where you're going and have some insights 
to help you get there. Is anybody tracking with what I'm saying? I'm saying to you that God gives us the opportunity to study under a people, which means we must go where they go. So if they go to Bethel, then you must follow. If they go to Jericho, then you must be there. If they go to the Jordan and you say, well, how are we going to cross this river? Don't worry. God has a plan. You must be there because if you aren't there, you cannot step in. Listen to what I'm saying. Somebody needs to get this. I'm telling you, part of you in understanding about being where you are, you're frustrated, you don't want to be there, blah, blah, blah. I'm telling you, it's imperative that you are there because transition and change is coming and you need to be ready to step in at a moment's notice. You cannot step in if you're sitting at home faking like you're sick, talking about the people you're serving, giving bad ridicule, spreading bad gossip about the people who are giving you the opportunity. I tell people all the time, I say, listen, stop talking about the position you're about to take on. You have to be positive and a spiritual embracer of what you're about to walk into. Is anybody tracking with what I'm saying here? Listen to me. I want you to understand. Let me go. So that's, that's go where they go. Let me keep it moving, boo. Listen, secondly, then you must know what they know but never speak it unless ask or until it is your moment. The Bible says, listen to me, the Bible says that when they got to the city, in other words, when they go to where they go to, when they got to there, when they got there, they asked, the prophets who were around said, don't you know that the God is taking Elijah from over you? Elisha said, I know. Just listen to what I'm saying. I'm saying to you, you ought to have a knower in your knower. In other words, you ought to know what God is doing. When you are studying someone, you ought not be shocked at what God brings in your life. You ought not be so disturbed by how people act and what they say and what they do. You ought not even be shocked when the devil does something stupid. You ought to sense the enemy coming. You know what they know. The the, the understudy must study the role. Listen to what I'm saying. I know his lines. I know what's happening to him. I know his schedule. I know her schedule. I know where they're supposed to be at too. I know what's going to happen at this meeting. I know it. I know it. The point is you cannot step into the role God is giving you and have to study. You have to study it while you're under them. Oh God, this is so good. We must learn how to know the things our mentors know, but never say it out loud. And this is the quest of many Christians. You must learn the art of this. Sometimes because you know something privileged information that everybody else doesn't know, we like to show off and say, yeah, well, I got the inside track. I know you're out of order. I'm telling you, God gave you that information to keep it quiet because that information needs to be revealed at the right time and at the right moment. It is not to be shared or expressed as a leak to fancy your position or perspective or how people see you in your friend club. I'm telling you, let God be God. In other words, we must give them room to be them. Don't encrouch. Ah, that's a good one. 
Don't encroach upon the people you're studying by offering them information. Listen to me. This, I'll never forget this, crushed my spirit, but it was a, a, a learning lesson. Years ago, I was at First Church of God. I was one of the pastors on the pastor staff there. I was studying under Bishop Reed. Bishop Reed was preaching his message, and oftentimes he was flanked on the left and the right by p- preachers in the pulpit. Well, sometimes he would be talking and we would know what he's saying next. And so we would kind of iterate what he said, what he's about to say before he says he start the scripture and we finish the scripture. One day, Bishop Reed said, turn around to the preacher. Happened to be me. He said, <laughs> he didn't say my name, but he, I know he was talking to me because I said it the last time. He turned to me and said, would you let me preach my sermon, please? I was crushed. Oh my God, I was embarrassed. But I understand what he means. He says, I know, oh God, thank you, Lord. Oh God, he's saying, I know you know what I know, but it's not your time. Wait for your pulpit time. Wait for your moment. Wait for me to ask you to step up. But it's too many of us who are offering information before your time. God's will is for them. Give people room to be them. Let people be them. They don't need you always to tell them the answer or to respond or finish their sentences or quotes. Let people make mistakes. Let people fall. Let people fail. Let people deal with their own consequences. Let them understand that what they said and did was wrong. Don't offer information. God didn't ask you to be an understudy to correct. God asked you to be an understudy to fill the position when they aren't there. Ah, God. That's why the vice president, you don't see much of Kamala Harris. You don't see much from her. You see all press conferences with Joe Biden. Why? Because Joe Biden is the president. Kamala is the vice president. She will step in should something happen to him. And I'm saying to you, oh my God, let your teenagers be teenagers. Step in should something happen to them. Let people grow. I know you know what they know, but let people learn on their own. Even when he's holding you back, stay until released. Even when God isn't giving you something to say, Stay until you're released. Take in all that you can learn, but don't use it officially until it's your time to. So go where they go, know what they know. Number three, then you must be who they are. Be who they are. Since you don't know the day or the time that they're going to be promoted or translated or transferred, You have to be close enough to catch the baton when they pass it at a moment's notice. In other words, the mantle that that Elijah had, Elisha had to be close enough to catch it. Did you see the debacle in the Olympics with the U.S. track team? They just couldn't seem to be close enough or stable enough to get the passing of the baton. And I'm saying to you, you must be close enough to catch the baton 
baton. You must, in other words, be in the stride. You must see the stride of the person ahead of you. And you must run in the motion that they are running. You must be like them so that the passing of the baton is seamless. There must be a catching of the spirit. We must catch the spirit of people, which means we must be like them. Do you not know that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus Christ? The Holy Spirit is the spirit of God and that spirit lives in us. And that spirit is Lord and life giver. He helps us do what? Be like Jesus. You can't be like Christ on your own. You have to be helped by the Holy Spirit who is God. So the God, listen, the God who you're trying to be like is in you, making you like him. So you have to be like him. Go where they go, know what they know, but be who they are. The question came up when they got up to the Jordan. He says, when they crossed over, he says, what do you want me to do for you? And Elisha said, I don't want no money. I don't want no house. I don't want no, I don't want no bins. I don't want no Bitcoin. He said, I want to be like you. He understood that being like him would bring the, the Bitcoin. It being like God would bring the blessing. Being like God would bring the opportunity. All you need to do is live godly. You don't have to uh, sell yourself out and try to roll like the Joneses and get this and kiss booty here and there to try to elevate yourself. Just practice being like God and the windows of heaven will open up. Opportunities will be brought to you because you will be continuing God's legacy. If God wants you to have an office on the top floor with a window view, you don't have to shifty and connive for it and play games. Just live godly. God, I feel him. Now, come on, help me here. In other words, be close enough to God to breathe him in. Somebody breathe him. Ooh, I like the ministry name of the church, Breath for Change. In other words, God, we come to church and God breathes on us. And that was my whole inspiration for that. The text said that he is the word and he breathed upon us. He is the theopneustos. He's the word, the living word, the breathed word that comes on us. In other words, be there when they translate. Be close enough to catch the breath of the spirit when God moves someone to another place. Ah, God, I, I I'm reminiscing for a moment. This is nowhere in my notes, but the spirit has given it to me. I remember, I remember being by the bedside of my mom when she transitioned and I could sense her spirit elevating and I could sense being close enough. All of us, my brothers and my sisters, the siblings were there to be able to catch the spirit, to catch the eloquence to catch the, the spirit and the anointing that was on this woman of God who didn't fight for stuff. She didn't bicker about stuff. She just did what God called her to do. And she was always getting some award, always having some honor ceremony on her behalf, always somebody saying how they love her. And all she did was just live godly. And I watched her be promoted from head start on up to executive administrator working for Hughes 
those aircraft working for some very powerful people. And I'm telling you, you don't have to be the person in power. You can work for the person in power and still get all the perks and benefits of the people in power because the people in power, when they love you, they'll do anything for you. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, be close enough to be selected when the decision makers are trying to figure out the future. So when it's your time to step in, you've got to be who they are. When they say, say the role, you've got to say, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? You've got to not only state the lines, you've got to be the lines. Come on, somebody. You've got to be the word. You've got to live the word. You've got to breathe the word. You've got to live the word, espouse the word. Let the word be a benefit to you. When you begin to live the word in that capacity, that's when you're able to see the manifestation of God's spirit. I got to go. Let's move on. Look at the text then gives us this last aspect. In other words, go where they go, know what they know, be who they are, but then do what they do. Do what they do. The text said, listen to me, listen to me. The text said that when Elisha, when Elisha was coming up to the Jordan, after Elijah had been translated, by the way, as I said, his ride had come. The chariot of fire uh, came to pick up Elijah. Ah, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing when you're rewarded for your labor. Elijah was translated Elisha was close enough. Elijah gave this word. He said, if you see me when I translate it, if you see me when I go, you will have what you ask for. So God said, all right, I'm going to give it to you. Elisha was close enough to see Elijah go away. Now then he had to step in the role. Elisha, are you ready? Let me go down the line. Deshaun Mack, are you ready? Are you ready for what God has for you? Henry, are you ready for what God has for you? Charles, are you ready to step in in this capacity? It is your time not just to be where they are, not just to know what they know, not just to be who they are, but now it's time to do what they do. Somebody say, do, do, do. Do what they do. In other words, be willing and have the courage courage to step in their shoes when the time comes. So when Elisha walked back to the Jordan, he had to go back the way he came. If you read the rest of the chapter, he went back to Jordan, he went back to Jericho, and he went back through Bethel. He passed all the people that he went through on the first trial. And all the people who were standing there said, oh, where's Elijah? They knew he had gone to be with the Lord. And so now they understood, we don't look for Elijah anymore. Who are we looking for? Elisha. Somebody ought to say, change the name on that office door. Change the name on that house deed. Change the name on that ministry position. Change the name on this single status to married. I'm telling you, you is now time to do what God has called you to do. Listen, in fact, do more than your Elijah and do it even better. Elisha would do what Elijah did but he would do even more. Even Jesus told his disciples, he said, greater things than these you shall do in my kingdom. So you have to understand the person who gives you the rights, the liberty and the anointing and the power to do it says, do more than me. Go 
on and show out and be great. I'm telling somebody to be great today. And so this aspect of being able to understand that Elijah crossed the Jordan and he pulled out the mantle and he asked his words. He said, where is the God of Elijah? And the Bible said he struck the Jordan and God showed up for Elijah just like he showed up for Elijah. I'm telling you, if you have the courage to step out there, God will show up for you like he showed up for your predecessor. There are some positions I have to say, I have to be honest, I have to be honest, Sharita, that I was scared of. I was intimidated by it. I had never been on that level before. I was in the room with presidents, with CEOs, people all over the globe in other countries. We were on a conference call in different time zones and it was little old Cherry sitting on the phone and they were going to come around to me and ask me for information. The issue would be, would I know what to do? Somebody said, I know what to do, PC. I know what to do. Why? Because I've been studying the industry. I've been studying the person who was in the position before me. I know what they would have been called to do. And when you go to strike your hand, when you go to stab your mantle, when you go to establish your miracle, when you go to the hospital to pray, when you go to do what God has called you to do, when you go to start that business, when you go to lift somebody up, when you go to speak a word of encouragement, the God of Elijah is going to show up just for you like he did for, now I feel preachy, calm down PC. Listen, don't be afraid to stretch forth your mantle and do great things. I'm giving someone right now spiritual license to understand that the mantle in your hand is the power of God in your spirit. Don't be afraid to stretch forth your mantle and do great things. As God was with Moses, so he promised to be with Joshua. He said, people were mourning about the loss of Moses. He said, stop, Moses is dead. He's with me. He's good. Don't worry about it. I'm telling you, do what I called you to do. As I was with Moses, I was with Joshua. Let me tell some of you family members who have lost loved ones. I'm telling you, you sitting there fighting about stuff about the person who lost. God said, listen, stop crying and stop losing your sleep, losing weight and being depressed and cussing at each other. He said, they good. Your family member is with me. What I need for you to do is get yourself together, take some of that spirit, whatever good that was in that person and manifest it in your life and do what? Keep the family going. I'm speaking to somebody, talking to somebody who needs to keep a business going, needs to keep a ministry going, needs to keep a family going. Just as God backed Elijah, he will back Elisha. He will back what you do if you trust him. Come on, family business members. God will step up and back you just like he did it for Abraham. Come on, you can call anybody in the Bible. You can call Abraham, he'll do it for you. Moses, he'll do it for you. Joshua, he'll do it for you. Elijah, He'll do it for you. Samson, he'll do it for you. Paul, he'll do it for you. You can, he, Whoever he did it for in scripture, he will do it for you if you trust him and go for it. Somebody give a high five and say, go for it. Go for it. That's what being an understudy is all about. Why would God have you learn him but can't do what he does? Why would God say be a Christian but then not give you the opportunity to work what he put in you? I'm telling you that would be pointless. It would be futile. We have a father who knows your gifts and he wants to use them. And we must 
all find someone godly we admire that we'd like to emulate. Jesus had disciples. Elijah had Elisha. Paul had Timothy. Uh-oh, who do you have? Where are you standing in terms of an understudy? If you have no godly people in your life, how do you expect to live godly? If you have no people, no godly people in your life to emulate, how do you expect to emulate the Christ in you? It is more than listening to what they say. It's studying them and following them. I used to tell people all the time, one of the best positions of learning God sometimes is being an armor bearer. I was in the position to study and to walk along with people like Bishop Omer and Bishop uh, Reed and B- Bishop Dixon, uh, 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 be around T.D. Jakes and uh, uh, some of the big B- Bishop Blake. And, you know, in the back office, you get to see all the stuff behind the scenes and all that. I'm telling you, that exposure is not information. It's not data. They don't teach you that in seminary. I got to see the men of God up close and I learned stuff from them. I watched how they responded to somebody pulling on them after they preached for hours and they're sweaty and they're tired, but somebody just wanted to say, I love you, pastor. Thank you for the word. They didn't push them away. They didn't act all arrogant and sadity and celebrity status dies. They did. They just opened their life. They, they didn't get back there and then start talking about the people they preached to. They got back there and they were humbled by the presence of God. These were real men and women of God who understood the call and the mantle on their life and they didn't take it lightly. They took it seriously. They weren't playing and I learned that. I mean when I first got to First Church of God, I was around Dixon and Bishop Reed. I said, dang, these people they really trying to live holy. We go out for lunch every day and I say they're going to slip up. They're going to slip up. Every day they were trying to live holy. I learned something. I learned every day, God, your calling is serious and you don't play with ministry. You don't play with being a Christian. God, I'm telling you, I got to move on. God gave pastors and he gave teachers for your development. You ought to take them serious. You ought to not just listen to their words. You ought to watch their mannerisms. You you talk about Pastor Jared cry all the time. Why is he crying? Do you understand why he cries? Do you understand he has a heart for the people. Do you understand that that's what you need to emulate? Stop trying to figure out every word he said, but watch how he preaches. Watch how he stays. Watch how he prays. Watch how he gives. Watch how he ministers. Note, this was a school of prophets. As I talked about, when he got around, when Elisha and Elijah were going through the cities, there was a school of prophets around it, meaning that class is in session. I'm trying to give you an understanding that the people you meet, I guarantee you, it's a class in session. It's not just an interview. It's not just a workshop. It's not just a lunch date. It's a class in session. This is a school of prophets and God is trying to teach you. You should see church as a class. You should see online ministry as a class. Bible study as a class. All of these are opportunities to have a class in session. I conclude with this, beloved. I'm wrapping this up. I think you get the point. The conclusion is If you want to be like Christ, then you have to follow him. You have to learn him. You have to study him. You will catch his spirit. mm, And you will be able to do things he did. Come on. When you catch God's spirit, you can do the things 
that God does. The miracles, all of the changes, all of the opportunities to bless people are brought to you by the power of the Spirit. But many of you have your eyes on celebrities. You want to be like Yeezy. You want to be like Yance. You want to be like all of these people who have big houses and cars and yachts. And I know you do because you follow them on every social media. You look at every picture they post. You laugh at every video they load up or put on a reel. You're studying them. Some people try to live their lives in their own households like celebrities. And I'm going to tell you something. What you see on TV is not always what people live like at home. So what you're emulating is not even real. And what they call reality TV, most times is scripted TV. It's still entertainment. They tell the people what to do. I'm telling you, as long as you focus your lives on people who do not matter, you will never have the power that God has invested in you. And yes, if you study these celebrities, you can be like them. I was looking at Rick Ross and the other day on Uncensored and, you know, hey, some of the things he was saying, some, some valid business points. There's some things that he was saying were good. If I implement them then in terms of some of my business operations, I might, I might, I might do that. I was looking at Swiss Beat. Swiss Beat, you know, he, he said some things about how to come up in the game of the industry. I, I, could, I could emulate some of those things. But any human at its best will never be supernatural. And I'm asking you to choose today between being a natural human being or a supernatural Christian. A human is a human and they always will be. That will never change. You can call another human being in the room, ask them to pray for you. But if they don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, they just saying words. Life is too complex to live life as only a human. Oh, that's a powerful statement. We need something beyond ourselves to give ourselves to so that God can work in the world. And he works in the world through understudies. <laughs> to be like God is a whole nother realm to be able to pray people to wellness, to be able to speak things into existence, to be able to perform miracles on God's behalf. There is nothing like it. Sometimes I've walked out of hospitals or I've got an email or a call and say, Pastor, they're breathing again. Pastor, they're walking. Pastor, a miracle has happened. And I go, oh my gosh. It's just little cherry. It's just little cherry. No, it's not. I've been in the class as an understudy, studying how God approached 
people who were hungry, how God approached people who were in prison, how God approached people who needed healing. And it's his power that made the difference in their life. So I conclude, as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. 1 Corinthians 11 and 1, Paul was making it clear, follow me, I'm human, but only as I follow Christ. And what we must do is we must start joy with the most graphic and accurately descriptive form of him. And that is the word of God. We must start with the word of God. Start with the graphe. Start with the writing. Start with the literature. That is the most accurate descriptive form of him. But then as you get the word in your heart, Listen, there are no living characters of the Bible in the world today. You won't find Abraham out there to understudy. You won't find Elijah out there to understudy. But maybe you'll find a Tommy. Maybe you'll find a Sheila or a Jerisa or a Leslie or a Palmer. Maybe you'll find somebody in the world who has been living the word, trying to be an upright student of God and God will pair you with them and say, I've got something ahead for you. I need you to study this person. We must start with the word, but then find human depictions of the reality of God working in imperfect people as closely as they can be defined to the word. And we must do our best to go where they go, know what they know, be who they are, and do what they do. We all need to be somebody's understudy so that when the time comes, we will know what to do. For God, when he calls us, and how to do it. This is how we keep it going. And this is how we reach our destiny. I'm PC. And that's all I've got.